What's going on? This is James Garretson, number one Nick Cage fan and owner and operator of About Trout. You are listening to the Foul Hooked Podcast. Introducing Foul Hooked Podcast. Probably like a 25 inch fish and lost it in about 10 seconds. It was really fun. It was a bit, yeah, it was really fun. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so we're gonna just jump right into it, James. We'll we'll kind of just start like, like I said, right. we want it to be like a free flowing conversation. We don't want it to be like like oh, we're going through this topic. Like it's more like a conversation. But anyway, yeah. So, James, we're talking about outfitters and guys and things like that today on our podcast. And there's you know so many misconceptions about there. Like you know, guides are assholes. Guides are only out there for their best interest. They don't give back and things like that. And there's so many people to think that for whatever weird reason so in response like what what do you think about that like whenever someone approaches you or you hear through the grapevine like so-and-so's saying all of this negativity about guiding and guides and what they do like what do you what do you think about that <clears throat> it's a very nuanced conversation no, i'm just kidding i'm talking trash because that's like i guess when you're on a podcast you have to say nuanced a bunch and then you sound <laughs> like an expert um but there's definitely two sides to the coin. I get it, right? Because at the end of the day, no matter what reason you're actually guiding for, you know, we are profiteers off a resource, you know, and that might be an uncomfortable conversation to have. I think a lot of us, you know, we're doing a river cleanup in a month and, you know, we want to offset the impacts that we've had on our fisheries and, and every fishery is different. But I, I definitely understand, um, people getting upset with guides or you know we're not all innocent right you know there's been you know there's people that think that they own the river because they work on it there's personality conflicts you know so i can understand people being upset with fishing guides um, especially when it all comes down to to a certain degree we are exploiting the resource or putting pressure on the resource so with that kind of whole beef with guides, I definitely understand um, where that's coming from. I, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. You know, there's, I think there's more good guides out there than, than bad guides, if you will, but actually maybe not. I, I think with the explosion in a post, you know, COVID world, fly fishing is at an all time high and it's a business, right? And you have to fill when there's a demand for trips, you're going to bring in more guides. They might not be as vetted or seasoned or tested. And I mean, you're in the business of booking trips as an outfitter. I'm in the business of booking trips when someone wants a guide i line them up and and we make it happen and i think you know you're kind of seeing some of the core tenets of the profession erode and, and people losing respect respect for the profession and what we actually do which is you know we're in the customer service business we're teachers you were educators about respecting the resource about etiquette um, making sure fly fishing is accessible to anybody that wants to do it um and you know, I, I think uh, if that offends you, then, you know, deal with it. But I think most, you know, most guides that have been doing it for a while, uh, they all fall into that category of educators and and being positive. I'm kind of rambling, I guess. I don't. <laughs> that's all good, man. No, man, it's good. That's um, half this podcast. I kind of, I guess that really segues like me into like the one thing I wanted to talk about though is like, as a guide, because of kind of some of the stuff you just touched on, like what do you think the responsibility of outfitters needs to be 
um, when it comes to, you know, kind of protecting your resource, because my personal experience with outfitters kind of the same thing you're saying, like, you know, you got two sides of the coin, some are great, some are not so great. Um, and some really do just like, you know, kind of hardcore exploit the resource. So, I mean, as, as an outfitter, what do you think your responsibility is when it comes to taking care of the places that you guys fish? I think, you know, first you have to decide or not decide, but you have to have a real conversation on like the rivers that you guide. Right. So for me, 95% of my business is on the San Juan river, right? Five, we have a 5% reproduction on rainbow trout. The state stocks it, you know, a bunch. They put in a lot of small fingerlings in the quality water and they grow. And then there's the bait water, which they, I mean, they dumped like 70,000 stocked fish in there last year, right? So it's like the truck is going to show up you know, as, as bad as that sounds, uh, you know, the, the, the brown trout are all naturally reproducing on our river. And, you know, you, you we have to respect the fish, but the San Juan is a river that can handle that type of pressure. I mean, since the inception of the guide scene in the eighties, I mean, it's always had the reputation of being busy with guides. You know, this isn't a natural freestone, you know, the, the outfitters in Montana are going to have a different conversation than we have down here in the Southwest. I also guide the animus, you know, on some private property and I'm in the process of acquiring some permits on some BLM land um, for, for small creeks, right? I can't go run a hundred trips straight on a small creek i'll destroy it right you can go run you know i mean if you combined all the outfitters out there the san juan is, is seeing a lot of guide pressure but it can handle it because you know it's kind of the elephant in the room with us but you know it's an artificial fishery you know it's a tailwater and it can support a huge biomass of trout that are supplemented by the state if the san juan was never planted with fish there's it could not handle the pressure that it gets in the same way that some of the creeks you guys like to fish in your neck of the woods, you can't go run 50 trips straight. You, some, some of those creeks you can't, you don't even want to guide back to back days because those trout are going to feel the pressure. So I, I think it's, it just all depends where you guide. If you're a guide in Texas on the Guadalupe river, right? They stock the snot out of it. And then all the trout pretty much die. There's a few <laughs> holdovers. So it's, I mean, that's what it's there for, it's right? The it's, 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 summer it's, clam bake. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, you know, you get, poached trout there and there, i mean there's a lot of except that's no stab there's a lot of exceptional guides down there but my point being is that you you can't there's not a one fits all solution per fishery i think you got to look at hey i'm guiding a tailwater with fifteen thousand fish a mile and twelve thousand of those were put in by the state and grew big versus you know i'm guiding a, a wild freestone that might have 500 fish a mile and, and it's a fragile ecosystem is is kind of the crux of, of, of what I'm trying to say. So I think, you know, as outfitters, it's just having the knowledge of your fisheries and, and knowing, you know, I mean, if I run this many trips on this Creek, I'm going to ruin it in the future. Or if I show too many people this place, it'll get ruined. And, and when I lived in the Chama Valley, I had creeks and places that I wouldn't take, you know, people that lived in a certain hour radius from it, because if they kept going back, it, it could damage it. And I would personally rest, you know, my guide trips on that water. So it was fresh. Um, and it's public land. It's not gatekeeping. You know, you can pull up a map and, and, and hike in there. Um, but, you know, just being aware of, of the resource that you have and, and having a, you know, an honest conversation with yourself on how many days you can run without negative impacts. 
Yeah, and as someone who has fished the San Juan, has anyone, wait, has anyone here, have you two ever fished the San Juan? No, I have a question about the San Juan, though. Dude, it's a fucking sick fishery. I, I just want to say, people who shit on the San Juan piss me off, because one of the biggest things that's so cool about that fishery is the ability to catch big fish and a lot of them. And not necessarily guaranteeing it, but the ability to see them, the ability to have the opportunity of what a lot of people would see as a fish of a lifetime, even if they're stocked, whatever, wild, it doesn't matter. It's all about the experience. Like when I've went with James um, and everything like that, it's been a great experience. Even James will be like, oh, dude, we didn't really catch that many fish. And I'm still like, we don't have anything like that in Idaho. It's its own unique experience. And people will just like shit on, oh, it's stocked fish and it's, it's stupid. Why would you ever fucking fish there? I'm like, bro, you're the same dude who like is probably like banging kokanee on the dream stream <laughs> and shit like that. And like, bro, I'm so cool. Yeah. And that to me is like, I hate when fucking people shit on fisheries like that. Some of the most fun you can have is banging on stonkers all day. They get big and they fight hard. Like I have no qualms with that at all. I have a question about the San Juan. Can you really not shuffle your feet in that river? Like I was they gonna ask about the San Juan shuffle too, dude. Yeah, oh, it's that's a thing. It's illegal. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's so much food, and you see that phenomenon. You'll see it on the green, like in the A section. You'll see it like on the Bighorn. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's so many midges. You know, if you they'll they'll you can if you disturb the bottom, you know, you'll have fish stacked up behind you. So, I mean, no if you're way. an ethical angler, you know, you don't want to do that because yeah. it's going to suck all the fish out of the run. And I just want to take a second to defend the San Juan in terms of, yeah, I mean, are those fish hatchery originated? Of course, but there's a big difference between catching a fish that was planted at two inches and grew to 22 inches with a really technical mid rig versus versus like the other day I guided in the quality water and I went to the bait water. I mean, you know, we threw double eggs the whole way down. And I think we, I don't, you know, I'm not going to talk numbers, but it, I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. You know, we could do no wrong. I mean, but you know, in the, in the top half of the float, you do have to bring your a game. They're not just going to roll over and eat an ecstasy egg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we saw that with, which is funny. This is a great story for James. So, James, being the great guy that he is and everything, identified very quickly whenever I fished with my roommate down there with him that we were. my intention was to fish streamers at, uh, for as much of the trip as I could. James identified that my roommate was, and he would admit this, he had no idea what the hell he was doing with a, a sink tip or like fishing a big rod because the biggest thing he'd fished at that point is a five weight. And he, James immediately picked it up like, oh, this guy has no idea what the hell's going on with this streamer rig. And he's like, my roommate's like casting, like he can barely get the sink tip out of the rod. He doesn't understand the loading of how a rod loads or how the line loads. And James was like, hey man, I'm gonna just switch you over to something a little bit easier, something you're a little more familiar with. And what do you know? My roommate has the best trip he's probably ever had. Like on any river, he caught his big, he caught his PR rainbow there. He caught, oh, he broke his PR. And then he broke it again, like on the, th- the third cast after. And I was like, okay, like whatever. I guess I'm just shit out of luck today. Cause he smoked my ass on that trip. It sounds like he yeah, fishes. But I think, fishes yeah, but I like think. You. <laughs> <laughs> dude, my cast, my James, I mean, James could talk shit on me. He wouldn't say, oh, dude, Pierce, he can't fucking fish. Like I get it. Like, I mean, you got Corey has seen me fish pretty and struggled pretty fucking hard over the years on some fisheries like pyramid and stuff like that. And I mean, James, you will talk shit on me like as a fisherman, like feel free. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You know me. No, I mean, you definitely fell apart, but I think that, you know, <laughs> I, 
I, uh, so, you know, so do I, I, you know, that's one thing, especially like in the social media, Instagram, YouTube age, like we all have days. It happens to me like twice a year where I'm just like a soup sandwich. I can't cast, I fall apart. I'm thinking about, you know, I don't know ospreys you know i'm not in the game and and it happens and like because you had come out before and we streamer fished and you crushed and then you did what i mean st you still you, you caught a fish on a dry streamer and nymph in the same day you were on it but i just think like you know sometimes and, and i see this with just having a lot of people in the boat is when they start to fall out of the rhythm sometimes you just down spiral and then you start like thinking about it too much and you're tense you're not loose and i mean you still slammed a bunch of <laughs> bunch of nice fish i thought it was a success yeah i feel like that that phenomenon happens the most when you're streamer fishing though like to kind of quote kelly gallup like the you're either like hoping for fish or you're hunting fish and it seems like as soon as you stop hunting fish like you just go down the drain. I've had that happen way too many times. Streamer fishing, like you really have to be engaged and like working it. You can you can hope a nymph rig, but you can't hope a streamer rig. No, you I you know I always tell the people in my boat. I'm like streamer fishing is a mental game, you know. And I you know I think back. I had this guy, great great customer of mine, really great angler, and he's like, I want a streamer fish. I'm like, all right, great. So like he's used to nymphing with me. And like an hour and a half goes by, we had one fish in the bag and he's like, this sucks. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, Hey, I was like, you signed up for this. Like, I'm like, you wanted the streamer fish. I was like, this is streamer fishing. And I'm like, we need, I'm like, I need a hundred percent focus. Like if you're going to go out and commit to a streamer, you need to commit to the streamer and just go in no plan B because you're not going to fish it. If you're thinking about the nymph rod or grabbing the bobber stick or grabbing whatever, like you have to commit. And he ended up turning the day around and he had one of the best streamer days we've ever had. We hit a spot where everything just kind of lined up. He got the strips down, his men's down and you know, he, he was stoked, but you know, had he given up in that first hour and a half, he wouldn't have experienced it. And, you know, I just think so many people aren't honest enough with, you know, their failures. And, you know, I'll be the first one to tell I have bad days, you know, and it's it's tough. It's like when I have a bad day fishing by myself, I feel like I'm a bad guy. I feel like, you know, I'm a bad, you know, how can I tell people what to do when I just or, or instruct them and teach when I'm failing right now? But you just have to you cannot have that mentality. You're going to have a hard day, you know, and uh, people aren't honest about it. You know, Instagram's a highlight reel. You know, when you see that guy holding that big steelhead, you know what you don't see? You don't see the 15 days they were out before that getting skunked you know like just absolutely getting broken down by the weather and the bad conditions and and uh that's a conversation that needs to be had more but everybody wants you know quick and easy and that doesn't really exist i heard boxwood gulch is really good for if you want to just a really big fish in the hero shot a few times yeah have you, is that a place? Uh, yeah that's the place i heard i heard it's what a hundred dollar access fee to go there too yeah, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot, too many of those places now. Yeah, dude, uh, that's crazy. Like with private water and stuff like that. So, like guiding private water, James. Like, what do you? I mean, a lot of people. Again, you're gonna get the same crowd. That's like, San Juan's stupid. It's shitty. Like, wide fish stock fish. Like, guiding private water. Like, I like private water and stockers. I mean, I'm not one to I like, shame. I about mean, I like catching fish, man. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, I, I guide it. I mean, it, it just comes down to like, there's the art form of guiding and there's the science and the craft and there's the business side. If someone is going like, if someone wants to do something, I'm not going to like fall on my own sword. You know what I mean? Like we can have a great day and I can still 
teach and instruct. I mean, just because they're pellet pigs, like, yeah, like it is what it is, right? You, you gotta, you gotta call it what it is. And the people that book that water, they know what they're doing. And if they want to have fun and they're not hurting anybody, I don't really see the beef. Like there is always going to be a market for private water and you can either pay your bills or or not but even when i'm guiding private water pellet pigs like i'm still going to teach you how to mend i'm still going to work on your casting i'm going to teach you how to read water and then i'm going to teach you why pellet how to kind of game the system and catch these pellet pigs if they're fed dog food and we're fishing brown eggs like boom light bulb you know like let's not <laughs> pretend why we're here you didn't pay the rod fee to not catch a giant rainbow and and that's another kind of dark secret in the fly fishing outfitting world is a lot we all do it you know i mean some some places no but in the southern rockies colorado new mexico i i don't i can't think of a guide service you know uh, the guides on the on the san juan um they guide the one right but the guy all the outfitters from you know northern new mexico through colorado they all guide private water you know, may, maybe there's a couple anomalies, but you have to guide private water because tying into this conversation, if you're a fishing guide, where you can guide depends on what permits you hold. So if I have a permit for the Colorado River and I have 120 user days and I just cook through 120 user days, where can I go guide? And, and that's why private water is never disappearing is not just because, oh, these are lazy guides that suck and they do that. It's like, I have to do X amount of days you know, to, to, to run a business. Right. And if I can't legally guide where, what, what can I do? Private water, private water. It's, you know, it's, it's an over the counter permit in Colorado and, you know, unlimited user days. So like that's, that's why private water is so popular. Colorado's permits are pretty much all maxed out. You're not getting one. And the outfitters that have those permits, I mean, th those permits are monitored. So if you have a three-person guide trip, that's three user days gone. And it, it depends on agencies and things like that. I'm just trying to keep it simple for the audience. But if, if you only have a couple permits on, you know, close to where you live, you have to supplement your season with private water. It's it's an ugly truth. Yeah. Got to pay for the dog food somehow, too. Yeah. They got to feed the fish. <laughs> Yeah. I, was, I was fishing a river in Colorado that I'm just going to not name for that reason, but uh, it was pretty funny. We were putting in the boat and there were some guys from like, I don't know, Kansas or Mississippi or something. And they came rolling up and they had like spinners with trebles like rigged up and then the full nine yards. And the guy comes up to me, he's like, so uh, you guys, you guys use much dog food around here? And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's like completely illegal on this river. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, like I'm joking. And I go walking by his truck and sitting on the back, like floorboards, there's like a whole spilt dog food, like bag. It's like kibbles coming out the door. And I was like, oh man, like, well, here we go. Cletus and Bill chum in the water. Yeah, it was rough, <laughs> man. I was like, this is the boat that's going to be following us all day. Like, yeah, it's funny. I mean, we've talked about hot spotting on our first podcast and James has kind of mentioned it too with, um, you know, small creeks and stuff like that, that, that river that you're referring to that you've told me about is one that people were very upset with. I'm James, I'm sure you fished it too. When Ben fished a very well-known section of a river that is very big stocked fish and it was somewhat recent. It was like the summer and he got caught or not caught caught. He just like got blown up because like, I can't believe you would tell people about this place, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I haven't even fished it. And I recognize the put in immediately because and it's so popular. Knows it, but everybody, everybody knows it. I, I mean like, yo, know, like with the hotspotting, like I'm so like, 
the, like we live in 2023 there are no secrets in fly fishing and it goes back to like our original conversation of like with the hot spotting thing there's creeks that cannot handle the pressure like where that float took place if you've been fly fishing for like t a year and you live from new mexico to, to the or, uh, canadian border you know where that creek is it's been or that river it's been in magazines every, it has a nickname everybody knows and it's like the other thing too is like good luck getting in there unless you know how to row big water yeah, so it, it, like uh, you're gonna get slapped with a huge trespassing charge so i mean it's again i like with the hot spotting thing it's like the san juan everybody knows that exists like i got some flack because i went to northern california and i i made a video about it and it's like california has 38 million people and all of a sudden california goes up there to fish like i didn't give away a creek or a secret and you know it's like I see both sides, right? Because at the end of the day, like, especially the river that I guide, you know, that's where I make my living and people want to know if they're going to book a trip where I'm at, you know, but maybe a hidden gem or a smaller Creek that I guide, uh, you know, um, I'm not going to put that out. Right. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it a fair bit in the last episode and like, I think that's kind of the whole point is that, you know, there's a difference between these, these well-known spots and these hidden gems. And I think, you know, just kind of leaving the, leaving the secret out on those smaller systems that can handle the pressure is super important. But I mean, I think some of these videos that people are getting all up in arms about is, I mean, there's, it's no secret. Like there's, there's a lot of big I mean, I, like, yeah, I mean, I, I have nothing but the best things to say about Ben Sittig, the huge fly fisherman. I, I know him personally. I were friends and I talked to him a bunch and I mean, he's, one of the few anglers that I know that actually practices like what they preach, like uh, guys that say they don't fish reds. I've seen them bang reds guys that say like, I don't fish a like Ben went to Alaska and didn't even fish a bead rig because to him, he won't do it. And I can respect somebody like that. You know what I mean? Like he's a man of principle. He never hot spotted the river. And if, and he made a, he made a video about it and he's like, if you know where it is, that's great. But like, he didn't put it out there, you know? And, um, you know, I, he, he gets, he, like I said, he's one of the, one of the nicest people I've ever met. He's a family man, you know, he's a good husband and he, he it's YouTube, it's Hollywood, man. People have these opinions. It's uh you know, it's uh it's like uh what's that Jim Carrey movie? Um, the Truman show, you know, you can, you can look behind the, he's a real person, you know? And, um, He's a, he's a man that stands by his values and there's not enough about, there's not enough of that in fly fishing. And you heard it here first, the, uh, Ben, Ben Siddig exposed. <laughs> I think, I think you're right though. There isn't enough of that in fly fishing right now, but there, there's some characters yeah, out there like sticking to their guns. Yeah. We were talking part of the podcast and we had mentioned you James, we just watched a video of someone who was fishing in Idaho who is not a very, or I guess he's like a moderately big YouTuber now. He's getting there. He's getting there. Yeah. And we saw his video and he's shirtless as usual. That should give it away right there. I don't give a shit that he knows it, that I'm talking shit about him. But he makes it very obvious where he is in his video. Like he's showing the town. He's showing very like obvious landmarks. Like if you know anything about the area or even have access to Google Maps and you're like, this fishery can't handle the pressure and you just showed it to 10,000 people. Like I don't, I mean, it's a toll. It's a toll issue and things like that. But going back to that and like the Ben conversation is like on the video that people got mad about, he showed the pudding. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
any of the other videos that he films that aren't like well-known places his camera you'll never know where he is ever because he chops all that stuff out he's very good about that um and you know i don't really want to you know the guy that you're talking about um <laughs> you know i uh i just it's all it's all love it's all love <laughs> it's all love brother yeah it's all love yeah no so we'll, we'll kind of push past this because it's just, it's a rabbit hole. We've got stuck in it a few times. So when it comes to permitting and things like that, we kind of touched on it earlier. So with permitting, James, like I'm a new guide. Um, I've been guiding for about a year and I've been like, okay, cool. Permitting. Like Idaho, every state is different, but in New Mexico and Colorado, what is the permitting situation? I know like here in Idaho, uh, if you're an outfitter, um, it's much easier to get a license than like a, per, like just like a random person or if they're, you just have those connections, you know, to know when a permit might open up or when it's for sale and things like that. So say if I am 21 year old purist and I am gung ho about becoming an independent fly fishing guide for some reason, you know, how do I go about doing that? Yeah. I mean, being an independent fly fishing guide is definitely not for everyone. Um, but there's three types of guides. There's employee guides, independent guides, and contract guides. Um, so if you're a contractor and it just depends to what state you're in, this doesn't work for everybody, but contracting is probably like the best of both worlds. Cause if you like some States, you can hold your own permits and run your own trips. And then other outfitters will call you in to run their trips. Obviously, you know, you want to be respectful of the client book, but with the permitting situation, you have to figure out where, what land man who manages the land that that river runs through is it a state park is it private property is it forest service is it blm is it whatever and then you have to go to that permitting agency and permits a lot of them are like liquor licenses so once all the permits are gone they're gone and so the only way to guide that river is to work for the outfitter that holds it. And then, you know, some states you need an outfitter's license, some states you don't, some states you need a guide license, some states you don't. But you have to, you know, first at a state level, you're going to have to make sure what are the requirements for guiding, you know, CPR, first aid. Um, if you need a rower certification in Colorado, it's called the trip leader or TL, that cert. Um, and then, you, then, then if, in order if your state requires a guide license i probably said that but get that and then you have to go to the forest service or blm or the state park and fill out the paperwork and and then hope there's user days and then you have to figure out a way to book trips so uh but but that's that's really it but you know a lot of guides uh, there's some big name guides that don't even have their own permits right so they're using a, a local fly shops permits they've built their own brand but if that fly shop was like, you're done, they, they can't ever guide that fishery again. And, and so that's something that doesn't get talked about um, with user days and permits. There's a river in Southern Colorado that's awesome. There's one permit for it. And I really, they do an amazing job. They're a great shop, um, but they have a, a limited amount of user days. And, and if you want to be guided on public water, you have to go through them. Now, with that being said, you know, if you go through them, they, they do a wonderful job. You're going to go out with a great guide. Um, but yeah, that's people don't understand that you can't just say, I'm going to be a guide and then start guiding. You have to have the proper permits, insurance, all that good stuff. You mentioned something like, uh, you know, if you burn, burn, I'm not quoting you exactly, but like if you burn your bridges, like with the shop, what are some things let's, let's go back to Pyrrhus, 21 year old guy guide wants gun ho about it. What are some things that he shouldn't do? 
Chad, you can't burn any bridges in fly fishing, man. It is such a yeah. small community and it's like two degrees of separation. Like, okay, like yesterday I was guiding and, um, uh, there was, uh, in one of the other boats, this guy started talking to me and he's like, Oh, Hey, you know, Jacob says, hello. I work with Jacob at a fly shop in Seattle. Now he's at airflow. Right. I mean, what a small world, you know, um, I, that was the last conversation I thought I was going to have at nine o'clock in the morning. Um, but you just can't burn any bridges. Uh, it's, it's really a small community. Um, and all you have is your reputation. You got to protect it at all costs. And, you know, I just, just say nice things about people and, It'll all come back, you know. I, I one love, positive, you know, stay positive. I, I like. I can tell you, I don't have any beefs with anybody. You know, you're never gonna catch me speaking ill of another guide. Um, it's. I just think it's unprofessional, and it just makes you look petty and bad. You know. I mean, you have lots of customers and clients that'll bounce from shop to shop or guide to guide because this guide's booked, and you know, you just don't like. It's just nobody wins, right? Yeah, so I'm fucked. So so much shade on Pierce. Yeah, (laughs) I think though that there's a level of like, yeah, like you make a good point. Like, definitely, reputation is super important. But I think without compromising your who you are as a person, I mean, like, I know no nobody wants to be like petty or like anything like that, or you don't want to be known as like a disgusting person. But like sometimes though, my honesty, people comes out, and I feel like it's important in certain scenarios like i don't know if anyone no, feels no, I mean, yeah, I feels agree. a certain way about that but yeah that i mean yeah. that's why pierce got big was because i was just honest about my opinion about people and things like that and it's it's crazy to think like yeah james is right there are people who know who i am at very very large companies who will never work with me like they they hate me they don't want anything to do with me and there's people at very very large companies who love me and will who knows? Maybe one day they'll sponsor this podcast. Maybe one day, you know, they'll send me free shit. Who knows? But it, it it's like a very it, it's a very fine line between love and hate. It really is. It's all nuance. It really, it <laughs> yeah, really it's is all, it's all nuance. nuance. Yeah. So much nuance. But no, I mean to Luke's point, like yeah. if there is somebody that had like this situation like just happened. Like one of my favorite people was in my boat and and she was thinking about booking a trip with somebody from Colorado. And, um, you know, I, I'll, you know, there was a situation, I have a close friend that's an outfitter and what happened is this guy, and we just talked about how valuable user days are. This guy flew that outfitters flags. The forest service called my buddy and was like, yo, you didn't record this trip today. The guy didn't tell him. He just put his outfitter flags on. It's like, yo, bro, thanks for letting me use your permit. Well, that was never agreed to. That's stealing. And not only that, he had to pay the Forest Service fees on the back end, and he lost two user days or four user days or whatever. You know, so if if there's a situation like that, I'm only going to speak facts. I'm not going to say, hey, so-and-so, you know, I I don't know, uh, like has a shady personal life and you know he's on tinder doing weird things and sending inappropriate <laughs> like i'm not i'm not gonna do that but i'm gonna be like listen like you know i i just i couldn't bite my tongue in that situation right i mean like things are always going to be sad it's always high school but you just got to hold your head up and rise above it and if you're comfortable with who you are and you let your actions speak for you and you have nothing to worry about, right? Because again, it's so small. If one person says one thing and 10 people say the opposite, you're good, right? So just be nice to everybody. Don't be a dickhead. And 
You know, you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> well, I mean, shit, I, I'm screwed as a guide, man. I'm gonna. Everyone hates me in this valley, so yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. We'll, we'll work yeah. on it. We'll see. He's, he's really not that big a douche. Just a little bit. I, I just think you, know, you, you should just start leaving tins in on the guides that don't like use windshields, maybe a Taco Bell gift card. And, you know, it's probably easy to win them over. A with six with pack. a little otter sticker, like yeah. plastered on the top of the, the can. There you right. go. Exactly. Sharing is tins for the win, baby. Yeah. yeah. It's like Father Christmas, but Father Purist. <laughs> so handing out the swag. Hey man, I, I mean, I, I tip well. James can can attest that I tip well as a client. I mean, I've been his client before. Dive um, into your personal life. Now, that's huh? one thing that I that makes me mad too is like people want to take you. And James, you probably deal with this a lot. People are like, man, I want to go fishing with you, but I don't want to pay for it. And James, when I went with you, you're like, hey man, like this is like my busiest weekend of the year. Like I can't fish with you. And I'm like, well, are you free? You said yes. And I was like, okay, here's the money. Like, I'm not even going to complain about, like, I'm not even going to, not even going to bitch. And that, that makes me mad. Like whenever as a guide or anything like that, or even a fisherman, like as you guys who aren't guides, Luke used to be, but back in the day, you know, if someone asked you to take them fishing, like what, what are the expectations? Like you've been the guide you for free and stuff like that. And James, I mean, I'm sure you get that all the time. People are like, Hey dude, like you should take me out. Like we've been friends for so long. I've already paid you for X amount of trips. Now I'm entitled to a free one. Do you, do you run into that or like, I, I don't, um, in terms of like, you know, we've gone out X times. Like if I have really good, you know, relationships, you know, things happen for sure. You know, I mean, I think like that can be tough sometimes as a guide is, the line gets blurred right between like customer and friend or I've had situations where like, uh, one guy I guided, we just became friends. And then I, you know, he took me pheasant hunting and you know, like it's great. Right. So like that, now we don't have that kind of, you know, guide client relationship. Um, and then, then that kind of stuff happens, but you know, I got to go pheasant hunt public or private land in Kansas. It was awesome. And that's a pro tip. If you want free guide trips and, and listen to this right now, if you want free guide trips, most fishing guides are like stone addicted hunters. And so the last thing they're going to want to go do is fish some like bass pond or some creek <laughs> for out where you live. If you can get them access to quail pheasants a duck lease a deer tag like that that book's gonna open up real fast and you know suddenly they just got free right so You're telling me you don't want to like go fish their little stock pond for like some 12 inch bass but that doesn't cut it uh it's not I, you know i just never want to come off as like arrogant or disrespectful and 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 you know i'm not above anything you know i'm, I'm here to have i like having fun like wow crazy i like fishing you know <laughs> i mean if it's the right thing for sure you know i'm not gonna poo poo it like if some 15 year old kid hits me up on instagram it was like hey do you want to fish a bass pond i'm not gonna be like yeah dude you gotta open you know that here's my venmo like <laughs> you know like, it's like uh, that's one thing that i'm huge on man because i was that 14 year old kid that worked at the flash shop my dad hates fishing dude my grandma is from mexico my grandfather's from Jordan, right? The Dead Sea doesn't have trout in it. So I didn't grow up. Like, I, I was like, you know, I just loved it. I was that nerdy little kid that probably said the wrong things. And I had a lot of people in my life that were very nice. And, you know, I always want to pay that forward. Um, and, and I also understand too, man, that like, people get passionate about this stuff because when I started fishing, going in the fly shops, it was scary. There wasn't YouTube. I'm only, I'll be 33 next week. We didn't have YouTube. You know, the internet was like a newer thing. 
and you couldn't get good reliable information and so like who did you talk to and and now we have all this information but you know there's people that they they think about this they're excited they reach out they ask these questions and i think going back to your conversation is like i i try to answer every dm i get no matter how whatever i think about the question because i i just never want to be mean and i never want to be a gatekeeper and it's like at one point too i had those questions and so you know i don't know it's like like i'm at a point now where i'm so busy and i've been very blessed with the business growing and i'm managing not only myself but other trips and it's like my time is so limited um that i can't just you know go go fish you know as much as i used to which is fine i still get it in but i'm not gonna poo poo somebody that's like hey you want to go fish you know 12 inch stocked bass like i think that's great and if that makes you happy and that's your connection to fly fishing i go for it you know it's like i just don't have if my choice is to go do that or go to louisiana and redfish like i'm, I'm gonna take my days <laughs> and, and go I mean, yeah, no, I get you. And I'm, I'm definitely all about fishing for those 12 inch stock bass too. But, uh, yeah. no, but I think you hit on like a really good point there too. Cause I'm not much different in age than you are, but like, um, that intimidation factor of going into a local fly shop and asking questions and asking for beta and stuff. And I think that's what set like in my mind, some of these better shops apart from the not as good shops are not necessarily that they don't have the best selection of flies or the best selection of gear, but it's the it's the knowledge that those people are willing to share. Um, and I think with, you know, the, the modern era of YouTube and the internet and everything, like there's a ton of information out there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's all good information. Um, generally speaking, like these better guides and these better fly shops have good information. And that's why it's so important to, you know, put in the time talking to those kind of people because they really are your knowledge source. And they're the, they're the people that kind of elevate your game. I mean, so much of what I learned about fly fishing was from, cool dudes in a shop not always even the people who work there sometimes it's just the other random person looking through flies like yeah the social experience that's like a lot of shops too and it, i don't know if uh, you guys feel the same way about this but anytime like i walk into a shop sometimes i feel like it's some are too focused on like a retail experience where it's just like get, get your crap and go sell 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 yeah yeah and then there's the one there's the shops that have it down right where it's a social experience and and it's more so about the general experience that the customers having you know having fun and buying your stuff and so I don't know if that's like a never been to Colorado fly shops I don't know if you see that or I notice a lot of like especially me working in a shop like when you're an employee of a shop too sometimes you see like a social hierarchy in some of the I won't say better shops than your shop but like if you go into like the premier fly shop of town like that everybody knows there's definitely like a social hierarchy in there and it's a little uncomfortable like i only buy my flies at cabela's and bass pro yeah that's it those are the best fly shops <laughs> gotta get 24 to get the discount bro yeah i know you, Shit. You, the kid coming up to you in the vest you finding everything okay, yeah you find everything all right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. no precisely the same thing yeah no like you know fly shops you know they're good they're they have their place and everything like that and i'm very pro fly shop i buy i actually buy everything there for the most part unless it's you know some other thing like i buy it used or whatnot but yeah like james like whenever you're talking about uh fly shops and things like that you know obviously they're your competition and things like that so as an independent outfitter how do you show yourself like you're it used to be just you guiding at your outfitter right Yes. Now you have like Jack under you and I looked at your website. You had a few other guys. Like how did you stand above the rest? Like as maybe someone who's starting a new outfitter is thinking about going independent. There's, I'll give you a shout out to uh, 
my buddy Parker, he's been a long friend of Purist and things like that, but he just opened his own outfitter. Um, he works at a Gallup shop too. He still guides there and things like that, but he's doing his own thing. He's doing like trout space specific and everything like that. How does someone who's just starting out, how do they like level up? How do they provide an experience that they're not necessarily going to get at, a, like, at a, a mainstream outfitter? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, look, there's a lot of great outfitters. Like some of my best friends work for what I, I just don't see it. I, I don't, I think it's all about mindset and your mentality, right? Like most of the guides on the San Juan are like, you know, they're my friends, man. Like I, I want to see them feed their families. Like I'm not trying to take anything from anybody. I just don't view it as it's like this killer be killed thing. You know, for me, I'm hyper competitive with myself, you know, and that's, that's, that's the reality of the situation. Like I, I'm obsessed, man. And like, I still love to fish and I want to put out the best customer experience possible. And, you know, I, I think you just, you have, your clients know when you failed them. And what I mean by that is it's not about how many fish are in the net. We want to measure the day in smiles, but it's, it's not about that. It's about, <laughs> did, you work, did you work hard? Did you change? Did you do everything that you could do? Because at the end of the day, I can't change the weather. I can't make the fish eat, but I can show up on time. I can show up early. I can tie flies the night before. I can talk to my buddy that was on the river the day before. I can just, I can just do everything that I have control over. I want to give it a hundred percent. And I think you just need that mentality. It's not about, I have to be better than guide X. I want to be better than James was yesterday. And then I want to be better than that. And then I'm still learning, you know, I've been a guide for a long time. I've been working in fly shops since I was 14 years old, you know, so I, I've been around and, you know, for me, I, I think it's just, you just got to care, man. I mean, for me, it's like, these people are spending, you know, let's fly fishing you know a guide trip isn't you know is isn't isn't you're not going to get one on craigslist for five bucks that's good if this isn't a dollar store experience but you're going to find out with a lot of these people they don't have a lot of free time right they might have the means to pay for your trip they might only have 10 days of paid time off and i think being respectful of those people's time that they chose they had 10 days off in the year right and they chose one of those days to spend a day with you like what can you do to make sure they had a great time and they don't regret that decision you know and i i think that's really what it comes down to is just being respectful of the person that's giving you those dollars and giving them a reason to come back Cause it's, again, I've had trip, you know, we've all had trips that haven't gone well and what can you control and how do you let those people know that you're really there for them? You respect their time and you're going to try. Tight. Yeah. That's really important. Like yeah. we, James, you and I talked about this last night, uh, just kind of like touching base to like, so like everyone, I, I think some guy, some people who are thinking about guiding get in their head about they hear about horror stories from guiding and things like that and who they hear it from. I think you, you brought up a really good perspective who they hear it from, you know, things like that. So like, if you could elaborate on that, like say I'm a new guide, I want to get into guiding, but I've heard from this outfitter or anyone, any of my friends, not even an outfitter, just a friend or something like, man, I heard this guide is poo poo or the guide that you're talking to. That's maybe your mentor is like, man, like these clients during this day, man, this was terrible. And maybe it was two years ago. Maybe it was five years ago. Maybe it was 10 years ago. I think it's really important for people to have that perspective of like how often, like you get a bad client per se. 
I mean, again, it comes down to mentality as well, right? Like, I, I just feel I'm grateful that these people have chosen and trusted their time with me. I don't take that lightly. But, you know, when you hear these horror stories about, you know, X, Y, and Z or whatever, you have to think if you're hearing this from a guide that's guided for 10 years, they've probably shaken hands, you know, with what, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 6,000 different people. Just do the math on that, right? Like, probably you know one out of every 1000 people that you meet isn't going to be that cool right or something's going to happen it's like law of averages so it's like you know people are people um you know they have bad days they could be going through something that you have no idea and they're in your boat and it's just i think being being sensitive to that um you know with with, with the horror stories i mean i haven't had anything uh, you know crazy happen i haven't had anything like off the wall like I don't have any tolerance for, you know, if someone was saying, you know, I, I, I like, I think there's a time to step in, right? If someone's making like horrible comments about, you know, someone's background or this and that, that's a no-go for sure. But, you know, people are going to have bad days. They're going to get frustrated. They're going to get angry. And I think that's, you know, again, it goes back to there's being a guide in terms of understanding your fishery and rigging and fishing. And then the flip side of that coin is you know, managing expectations, managing personalities, what happens when you guide a husband and a wife and they're fighting, right? These things happen. This doesn't get talked about, but I think it's your responsibility as, as a guide, you know, just to kind of try to read people, you read a psychology book, you know, or do something, but you know, you, you have to, you have to be a therapist. You have to be an open ear and, and you can diffuse a lot of these things that happen. I mean, sometimes look, shit hits the fan. And all you can do is like kneel down in the bushes and pray, I guess. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, again, it goes back to mindset, being appreciative. And I think if you go and kind of with that, like, servant's mentality of, like, you know, it, it's going it, to be better. I think when you start, like, a thing with guides that happens a lot, it's called burnout. You know, when you guided for 50 days straight, you know, you might not, you know, you might be a little snappy, right? It, it happens. We're people, you know, I, I take a day off a week to be with my family. And so I don't get burned out. Um, and that is a luxury for sure. But yeah, I mean, you, your guide also too, where you stand depends on when you sit, you might've been able to put up with, with that seven days straight when you're 21 days straight you know and you're fighting with your girlfriend and you got to pay rent and you got you're someone you know you, you hit a deer and you're angry then maybe something that you would have just let roll off your shoulder becomes a way bigger deal too yeah i think that's something people don't understand about guides too is like i i guided whitewater all through college and like doing those you know 30 day runs with one day off and then stacking another 30 day like run right behind it is how you make it i mean you're, yes. You know, it's, it's super important. I think it's awesome that you're taking the time off to be with your family and to take care of yourself and stuff. But like a lot of these younger guides, whether it's in whitewater, fly fishing, any other outdoor industry guiding, like these people are putting in every single hour they can during the season because you got a limited window to make it happen. Um, so I think from the other side of the coin, like it's something people need to understand about guides is that they're putting everything they have into it to make it during a season. So, you know, and generally speaking, everyone I've interacted with has been, you know, pretty top notch. I've been lucky in that regard, but it's a lot of work, man. Yeah. I mean, I think you can draw parallels between fly fishing guiding and the whitewater world, but I, you know, kind of dovetailing back off what we talked about, like, yeah, day three in a row, you know, 
there's someone with you know personalities don't always line up that's fine it's life right but like you know something that wouldn't have bothered you three days in versus day 33 in you know it happens so i think just kind of taking the time to remind yourself it's supposed to be fun and focusing on that will mentally prepare you for kind of these oh gosh moments where like you know you're just like look when is this day over you know you know something uh that just dawned on me really i'm thinking back to a time like when i first started fly fishing and you know i'm going to the yellowstone national park and fly fishing yellowstone and my girlfriend's with me and um i'm still learning about like ethics and whatnot too but i i know about low hole high hole type stuff and um there's a guide that shows up there. I'm on this certain stretch of the Madison there and um, it's right below my campground and the guide shows up. You can tell he's guiding because he only has a net with him and he's got like six people with him and I'm fishing the hole. They go and low hold me. There's no way to go back up because there's a bridge right there and it, it stretches a whole nother different river. I mean, I could have gone and fished that. My original intent was to go down, um, but he goes below me, which is fine. And then um, my girlfriend's with me as well. And we're, we're like done fishing this run. And I was like, well, he's there with his clients. Let's stay out of his way and let's let's just start walking. Like I even got off the bank to like make it obvious. I wasn't trying to like low hole. I was just going to walk. My original intent was to get pretty far down from him. And um, he calls me out like as I'm about to pass him. And he's like, hey, buddy, like, are you going to go fish down there? And I'm like, yep. Um, I'm going pretty far though. I'm just going to go right around the bend and then probably walk another 500 feet. Like I'm going to be pretty far away. And he kind of throws his hands up and he's like, well, all I'm asking for is a little bit of etiquette, you know, like calling me out all in. And he's getting like upset in front of his clients. And, um, we kind of, I'm not going to get into it, but he kind of start under his breath and I can hear him. He's like, I'm a fucking idiot or some shit like that. And then, so I kind of got heated and I started calling him out. And, um, my girlfriend's like all embarrassed and then like, <laughs> so it's I'm just like, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I, I continue to walk down, but when I'm thinking about it, like maybe that guy, you know, just like we were just touching on, like maybe he's going through something or like, you know, I don't know, like this is like day 180 of him guiding in the Yellowstone trip and he's just trying to like make it happen. And, but I'm also like, is that appropriate behavior for a guy to be doing that? Yeah, his, his client clients? got his, yeah. his client got kicked by a bison the day before. You know, the bear <laughs> yeah. ate all of his food like, type of shit. Yeah, no. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think like it just goes back to like that's unacceptable. Like that's been like unacceptable. Like to me, like I've had waiters bark at me when I know you know like etiquette's gonna vary from region to region, and like sometimes like I had a guy clap at me because he had a raft he was like he his buddy boxed off one shoot there's one place i could get a boat through and i was i was like sir excuse me i am so sorry this is i can't i'm gonna run your buddy over this is the only spot i can get a boat through i'm not gonna i'm just blasting through and he he lit me up and it's like you know what can i do i just apologized and moved on and it's like you know whether you're a guide or a private angler like people are people man and I, you can you can diffuse most of those situations by having a conversation but i also feel like as a guide you have to be an ambassador with your etiquette and, and you have to teach the people that you're taking out etiquette because fly fishing is getting more popular you're gonna run into people and we're all out there for the same reasons and also if you're a guide on public water you need to put on your big boy pants and your big girl pants and if you're you know a one spot scott then maybe you shouldn't be a fishing guide 
you know it's public just move you know i mean like there's there's other places if you can only fish one spot then you're not respecting the profession and you're not learning your fishery and like maybe you should fish on your day off because like you can't get mad if you guide somewhere that's crowded and you see people like you're walking into the propeller you know it's i guide the san juan one of the most crowded rivers in the united states you know what i do i put my boat on at first legal light so i can do whatever i want you know what i mean and i don't see anybody like there's things you can do or if you can't do that, like, let's say you work for an outfitter that has specific meet times, right? Like, you know, you just like, you got to work with it. You got to take the good and with the bad and like yelling and, and all that. It just, it's just not a good look for anybody. You're going to make the people in your boat uncomfortable. And like, who you know, you might know who that guide is, right? And like think, and if you think about it, like a business person, like if I rip into a waiter and I know I'm in the right, and I'm like, this guy's an idiot. Da, 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 da. And they mm -hmm. see my logo on the side of the boat, you know? Uh, and someone's like, oh, hey, do you know, do you know those about trout guys? They're like, yeah, he, he, he yelled at me. He's this. You're not going to, you know, there's three sides to every story, right? This yeah. side, that side, and the truth. And it's like, I just, you just, you're, you can never, you, you can't underestimate your first point of contact. I've booked trips because, uh, you know, I, uh, this guide low hold another guy and we started talking and I was like, Hey, I'm a guide too, you know? And he booked me cause I, I was nice, you know, don't underestimate like a smile or giving someone some flies. And you know, I take this so seriously that I have a code of conduct for my outfitter. There is zero tolerance. And if you do that, you're terminated and I'm going to take an extra 20% off your commission. So, you know, I, to me, like, look, there's going to be personality conflicts, like just shut up and, you know, whatever, like don't engage. Yeah. Like, yeah. One thing too, is like, if you have a conflict and like, well, my, my, my mentor has taught me is like, Hey man, like if you have an issue, like don't do it in front of the clients, so, like, you know, have a polite conversation with the person. And if they're angry, just walk away, man. Like you don't have to you be the bigger person kind of deal. Yeah. You don't have to go up and get into a cussing or a fist fight with someone. Like I've heard horror stories of fist fights at between guides and things like that. I'm like, that is something I never want to be a part of. Yeah, Utah is wild and wild. Yeah, yeah, Utah is wild and dude. I'm, I'm sure, James, you've probably heard of shit down there. You know, there's so many guides that's got to happen. Dude, I know what happens to Eastern other. Battle of the yep. boat ram, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just think too, like, I mean, I guide over 200 days a year, man. Like the same dudes that I saw on Tuesday, they're going to be there on Wednesday and they're going to be there on Thursday. So like, why don't we all just get along? You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like, you don't want to, you don't want to shit where you eat, you know, like if there's, if I think there's a situation, like let's have a conversation about it and squash it because it's not going to be good for either of us. Like we're all professionals, like, you know what I mean? And like, I haven't, I don't know, man. It's like, it, it just, just be nice. It's not, it's not that hard. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. some, and here's the other thing too. Some people are just going to hate you because you exist. Right. And it's like, you can dwell on it or you can just, <laughs> You know, let it roll off your back, man. Who cares? <laughs> I think you earned yours, purist. Uh, just a few times. Yeah, I, I've been you're in a little incendiary. <laughs> just a few times. I mean, I, I piss people off all the time. You guys know. You guys know that. But I mean, I have definitely been in the wrong, and I I make it very public when I'm wrong. Right. I don't. I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong, and some people are not the same way. Well, for all the people that are like mad at you online, like just try actually going out and fishing with them. It's way worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, you know, 
well, James, I, I invited you, but you're like, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too cool, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, with Pyramid, like, there's a chance that we run into people down there that I don't like. That one time we were down there, um, the, the gal that was beside us, I had called out like three months before. She had no idea who I was. And James, funny enough, it's she was the gal you might remember. She was doing some red raping in, on a river where you used to live. Um, I don't even remember, but uh, Vita Truca posted a really, really nice video about explaining reds and things like that. And then two days later, she has the same place in the background with like a 20 inch brown. I don't know if you remember that, but. Yeah, I mean, dude, I just like, you know, for me, man, I just try to stay away from the fire. I just try to focus on like yeah. what I'm doing, what about Trout's doing, you know, and like my impact on like the people around me. Like, I just can't get caught in the fray, you know, and like, you know, I again like i i try to stay out of it it just nothing for me i have nothing to gain from speaking ill of somebody for like putting somebody on blast for like what it's not you know just i can be better you know and yeah. as long as i'm a hypocrite like with what i'm doing or you know if i if i know the ethics or educating people that might not know you know, there was a situation like that on the on the one. There was these guys just blasting reds for like four days. Like our all of our brown trout actually reproduce, and it's like, you know, it's like so. I don't, yeah, I don't know, man. I it's it's just we live in such a we live in a world, you know, where I just feel like I gotta focus on what I'm doing, and unless I see something like absolutely egregious, you know, like I'm the only time I ever bark if I'm in my boat is if I see someone fishing bait in the quality water, you know, because we don't have a lot of it in our state. And if, when you're killing fish and putting them on a stringer and like you're stealing from the community, not the guide community, but you're stealing from, you know, the, the angle, the angling community, because we don't have kind of sacred spaces in New Mexico. We don't have a lot of catch and release water. And, you know, to me, that's when I'm going to say something or, or take action on it. But outside of that, unfortunately, I mean, New Mexico put an article up on how to smack fish off reds. This the fishing game did it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's unfortunately it's legal, you know? And like, you know, it's like when I, when I go to the bait water and I see someone with a 26 inch brown trout on a stringer, I don't like it, but what can I do? Right. The, the, now, the, the only fish should have been smarter. That's what should have happened is the yeah. fish should have been smarter. They should have smart, but like they have pea-sized brains. I, you know, the only time I'm going to take action is if I see, like I said, something egregious, you know. Um, but you never want to. I don't ever want to be a crybaby. I don't ever want to be incendiary. You know, it's. I just want to keep it fun, keep it light. You know. Well, James, you bring up like you bark at people and stuff like that, and your definition of barking is very different from because you, whenever we were on a guide trip together, you saw some people that were in the quality water fishing with spinning rods and you you were the nicest guy about it i would have been pissed if that was me you were like hey well, guys like i think this is the quality water like well you were like hey it's definitely the quality water like i don't think you guys are supposed to be doing here the you know just you know there's always people there's always law enforcement patrolling this just like be really careful you know don't like i think what you're doing is illegal maybe look up your regulations kind of deal and you were really nice about it and you were like making them aware of how to find the correct information, even though you were in the right. And you're kind of letting it up to them on their own devices to figure out what they're doing is illegal. Yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll clarify that. Like, so you can spin fish on, on, in the quality water, but it has to be single barbless. So what I probably, you know, go looking, I, I forgot about that, but I probably would have just been like, hey, just so you know, 
you know, you're good if it's single barbless, but if it's a treble hook, just make sure you clip it and pinch the barbs, you know, and, and you're right. Like, I don't really bark. Like, you know me personally. I'm not a confrontational guy. I, you know, I think most people would agree. I'm not a yeller. Um, like, it takes a lot to get a rise out of me. Like, a lot. Yeah, I, put, <laughs> I, I, put a, I put a fly on the back of your head one time and you didn't yell at me. You were just like, what the fuck, man? You were very, the most, the most calm, what the fuck? But anyway... Yeah, we can we can move away from that topic if you guys want. Like that's just like one of those things where I'm just like, it, it's important that we, as fly fishermen, even though people think we're elitist, mm-hmm. I think it's important to let people know that we are, you know, we're out there for the best. Like even if you're a spin fisherman, we're or a conventional fisherman, we don't want you to get in trouble. Like we don't want we don't want yeah. we don't want law enforcement to have a reason to write you up. I was a spin fisherman. Yeah, I mean, I was too. I <laughs> yeah. think everyone was. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much everybody started there. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just hooked a redfish on a spinning route in Louisiana because we couldn't fly fish because of the wind. But I mean, I you know, I, I don't have that. Like, I, I think a lot of fly anglers get that bad rap of like, we're better than you and elitist. I'm no better than anybody else. If they want to spin fish and that makes them happy and they're legal. Great. I think it's great. You know, it, it, because if you're getting outside and you're decompressing, you're no different than what we're doing. And I think that's great. And the river needs friends because I've met guys with spinning rods down there and we start talking and they're showing me pictures of huge brown trout and they're catching release and they're picking up trash and i think it's a beautiful thing i think we need to come together because there's more spin anglers than there are fly anglers and we need to look at them as allies and how can we protect something that we both like together is kind of my my thing right what is it is it oliver wendell Holmes? the right to swing your fist ends where another man's nose begins like as long as we're on the same team in terms of conservation and protecting a resource like it's it's all love yeah Yeah, i think that's the whole thing is we just all need to be good stewards of the resource and that's where i do feel like it's justified to maybe you know at least guide people i'm not super confrontational either um but when you're out of the regs you know it's it's kind of nice and i mean i've seen people do it in super super reasonable ways and a lot of times people are just ignorant and they're not out there with ill intent i mean i've seen it before even on our local river like there are sections, you know, that are supposed to be catch and release or barbless or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. uh, I've seen people in there with, you know, bait and barbed hooks. And a lot of times you tell them, but they're like, oh, shit, like, where's the line? I, I didn't even know I was in waters. I wasn't supposed to be fishing. They pack up and they move on. Like, um, yeah. like probably more people than not have good intentions and just don't know they're committing something wrong or the response is really direct and which is fine. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, uh you're not fishing game go fuck yourself like and, yeah yep. and it's like okay oh well, yeah yeah i think those people you just step away from them and then you know like they'll, they'll get theirs it all comes around yeah I'm, mean, I'm too immature for that, <laughs> that <laughs> no that's when you go and you call fine. the game board and be like, hey bro there's this guy down here doing this sketchy shit get his ass that's my opportunity for growth man I, I, time. I, i'm incendiary and you know i hate it but i also am just direct and as honest i think it's a level of honesty and of people and I'm just like, Hey, I don't like that you're doing this and let's talk about it kind of thing. Yeah. But you're also a lot bigger than I am. So I can't go up and be confrontational with someone and try to get in a fist fight or have the potential of them beating my ass. Cause I'm like five, six. Yeah. I don't know. I just, um, I did going back to that and like confronting people. And I mean, I had an experience the other day with Vince. I mean, well, it's not fly fishing really, but we were duck hunting and shooting light ended and it, this guy's clapping ducks like five minutes after shooting light and Vince and I are out there getting decoys and we're getting peppered like, oh, you know? yeah. And I'm like, Hey buddy, 
like you realize shooting light ended this time right and he's like i have sunset for this time like he's trying to argue with me already and i'm just like well regs say this and then he kind of changed his tune and he was like oh well sorry you obviously didn't check before you went i guess it's just i don't know yeah yeah james we should ask is uh bird hunting better than fly fishing it's different man i mean i think <laughs> it's I, I i really got into the upland thing hard just because I mean, fly fishing is my life um and not in like the cliche it's my life it's a metaphysical expression it's everything i know like but i mean i i i'm blessed that i get to do what i love i love guiding and i love fishing and you know i mean i i never stop working ever and after we're done wrapping up here i'm gonna shoot off emails i'm gonna make a newsletter i'm gonna put a you know whatever together uh, i'm gonna tie flies i mean this it just it, it just touches every facet of my life and the nice thing about bird hunting for me is there's no i'm a bad bird hunter you know and it's still it's fun <laughs> terrible dude like i you know I, I went i went out my last hunt man like think like stevie wonder could have shot you know more quail than i did maybe you should edit that out that might be too too aggressive but i mean the last time i went quail hunting man i mean you could someone with a blindfold could have shot more quail than i did um you know i'm a bad shot i don't quail hunt a lot i don't practice like wow big shock right but for me it's just a way to like not think about anything because even when i'm fishing for fun i'm still thinking about oh i'm gonna be because i fish the san juan every chance i get like i want to know that river intimately and even when i'm fishing with my buddies you know it's like oh there's a new rock a new drop i got a trip tomorrow like you know duh, 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 duh. and um i can't ever shut it off it's all i think about and so when i go bird hunting it's the only time you know that i can not think about work and not that i i love it i love to work but it's the only time i can focus on something that's it's selfish right and right. and that's why i enjoy it we'll switch it up do something different i think a lot of fly fishermen transcend like you kind of brought it up earlier they transcend into hunters in a way or they're already hunters so it's just trying to do something different and uh you know keep things fresh i mean my boss my old boss at the fly shop i used to work for I think he's he's an eighty percent hunter now and twenty percent fly fisherman, and but he guided for like fifteen years of his life and got burnout and like had to do other things to keep it fresh. And so yeah, it's really important yeah. to have those healthy outlets that you know are outside of fly fishing. That's not your as a lot of people we learn nowadays. You know, there's so many memes. You know, going back to James' point about Tinder, like there's probably so many guys out there like fishing, fly fishing in Colorado and things like that. Like that's their personality. And like we but, see that all the time. Oh yeah, man. But I, I think like the difference between like duck hunting and upland hunting versus like fly fishing is like I, it's yeah, you're holding a loaded gun, but I just feel like it's so much more simple, right? It's not like oh my split shot's off, I have the wrong weight, I hit the wrong. It's like the birds are there, they're not, and you shoot them or you don't. And <laughs> yeah. then you know what I mean? Like there's not too many variables compared to like angling. And then you know I think being a hunter has made me especially hunting wild birds right it's made me appreciate the resources better right because you can't catch and release a quail you know what i mean like unless i mean you're super you could, but yeah. um bird but, might die but yeah but i think like yeah, release it to the coyotes but i i think like circle of life um for me like being a hunter has made me a better angler because now i think about things differently right like if i'm guiding a wade trip you know what i look for boot tracks 
I look for truck tire tracks, you know, like I've learned how to track becoming a hunter. You know, I, I think about things differently. Like, you know, maybe someone's hunted the spot, right? Maybe someone's fished the spot. Let me look for the boot tracks. Oh, they stood on this rock. Okay. I'm going to slide over here where I don't see tracks or, you know, thinking about things differently. There's, you know, I think there's a lot of overlap between the two disciplines and and hunting too just has so much more of like a gatekeeping culture like you can't go to bob's duck shop and he's going to tell you where to go shoot ducks on public land he's going to laugh in your the, the duck hunter will laugh in your face like so i think with you're seeing an explosion and like upland hunting and duck hunting right now and it really it's like a lot of really hardcore guys and girls that um, they have to figure it out by yourself. There's no information. I'm, I'm reading quail books that were written 40 years ago, you know, <laughs> and I don't know. It's just something fun, something different. Cool. Yeah, yeah no, like, it, it really, it's like a pro, pro tip. Like look for boot tracks. I do that. Right, I, I, I do that. In, I do that in the snow, especially in the winter. I'm like, dude, I don't want to fish the same spot that people are. We did that are, the other day when we were out on the river in town. I was like, yeah. dude, somebody fished this this morning. You can see, see the boot tracks. Yeah that or if you're like if you're on the east coast or you're fishing like a bunch of stalker fisheries you figure out what kind of trucks the stocking trucks are and then you look for those tire tracks and then you find <laughs> like you know it's as bad as it sounds but it's like oh how did you know there'd be a pod of 500 finless mutants in here it's like all right it's just a hunch you know there's two dually there's a set of dually tracks backed in it's the <laughs> sunken slime, in the mud the slime yeah. rocket express dude yeah dude. if you're really quiet you can hear like just the hose blasting all the fish out just no it's it, i mean i love stalkers so I don't, i'm not even gonna people i shit on them every once in a while because like the people who only catch stalkers i'm like okay man like, let, let's switch it up a little bit man let's go let's go for some wild fish let's you know let's hike a little bit but i have a sweet spot for him for I, sure i do too because that's what i grew up catching <clears throat> right i'm from the east coast originally but i think stalkers also have a place you know i mean hot take but like I, I was just telling the story yesterday. So I was guiding the quality waters and I took out an angler and she was really excited about learning and the fishing wasn't great up there and she couldn't really see the hook sets and she had issues mending. Right. So I was like, all right, check this out. There's a pod of like a thousand stalkers in the bait water down river. Let's take a break. Let's go down there. This is a no stress environment. Like you're going to catch a fish. The truck just dumped them in five days ago. And I'm like, I don't want you to be so focused on like, I did this wrong. I did this wrong. I'm like, we're going to have fun and I'm going to walk you through it. And we blasted a dozen stalkers. I'm like, okay, I think you got these concepts. Like we worked on fighting fish and stripping line and putting pressure. I'm like, let's go back. And she ended up catching her personal best rainbow on six X tippet on a size 26. But because she had that experience in this kind of artificial low stress, you know, scenario, uh, we were able to alleviate that pressure and build the skill sets and transfer that to the quality waters. So I do, I do think there's like a place. Now, if you're like a stalker king and you're blasting stalkers because that's all you can do, you might be robbing your people of an experience. And if they want to do that, that's great too. You know, but my, my thing is like, you can use stalkers as a tool, as a guide to really help newer anglers kind of get over those insecurities and, and work on practical things in a controlled environment almost, you know? The lab. Going to the lab, bro. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. Like yeah. they do have they do have a place. Yeah. No, they definitely do. I mean, we're getting we've been doing this for a pretty long time now, it feels like. Yeah. like time has flown. I've been like, yeah. I like looked at the clock there for a second. I was like, holy cow, we're going. But yeah, yeah no, like 
any other any 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 yeah we're letting james cook right now james is there anything you're like hey man we want to get that message out there like this is something like you know hey this has been bugging me or anything like that like before we yeah i do man actually i just want to like make the note that if you're a new angler listening to this and you're being mistreated by people that are guides and fly shops then go to a different shop and get a different guide they should encourage you and they should be supportive and that might not be you know text me at 10:57 on a tuesday you know when i'm asleep asking me what rock to stand on but i think you'll find that you know people want to see you fly fish fly fishing is for everybody and you know, I think like you don't have to be afraid to do it. The fly fishing community is really, it's, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's an interesting space, but you're going to find some of the best people you'll ever meet. And I have all of my friends fish. That's the one thing we all come from different backgrounds and grew up differently and different life experiences. But the one thing we can all connect on is fly fishing. And I think it's a beautiful thing that unifies people and, that's the message, man. I think it's supposed to be fun. You know, we're not curing cancer. We're not, you know, solving the world's problems. We're stabbing animals in the face with a hook that have peace ends. And it's like, I think people lose sight of that. Like, it's supposed to be fun. Like, let's have fun. And, um, you know, just be who you are and be that well. Heck yeah. Yeah, I, um, I agree with that message. So uh, if, if people want to find you, get in, get in touch. What's the way? Yeah, you can find me at abouttrout.com, which is the website. Sign up for the newsletter. I have a YouTube channel. Surprise, surprise. It's called About Trout. And you can find me on Instagram at about.trout. A girl named Paige Trout had it. I tried to buy like the actual About Trout, but she just left me on read. So it's about.trout on the the gram. Kind of messed up the flow. But I'm a pretty easy guy to get a hold of. And um, I'm happy to help you on your fly fishing journey. And if I can't do it, I work with a team of amazing guides that are patient and want to see you succeed. So that's that's the message, baby. Yeah. With that being said, hey, James, thanks for having us on. Or thanks for thanks for having us on. It, it does feel that there's James. Th- thank you for coming on, man. We really appreciate it, dude. Uh, you're our first guest. I made it a point to get you as my first guest because I know you and I are friends. So I knew that you would be a great guest here. So I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, that was some tight perspective. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me on foulhookpodcast.com, right? Uh, and, we don't uh, have the website just yet. We'll We're get getting there. there. We're getting there. Okay. We'll get there. Well, let's stop getting ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> All right. Well, foul hook. Well, thank you so much, guys, for having me on Foul Hook Podcast. Make sure to get that clout boosted by following them on Instagram and stay tuned for some exciting guests. Hell yeah, brother. Introducing Foul Hook Podcast. <laughs>